This week's parsha is Parshas Vayigash. The Pasuk says when Yaakov finally comes down to Mitzrayim, he has an encounter with Parai. And Parai asks him something very strange. Vayemer Parai al Yaakov. Parai says to Yaakov, Kama yimei shnei chayecha. How old are you? Very strange opening question that a king should ask a chash of a person like Yaakov. It's very uncommon, and this is something that all the Rishonim point out, the Ramban and others, that such a strange question to ask, how old are you? I mean, maybe after a uh, you know, second or third time you meet somebody, you can maybe uh, uh, have such a conversation, but the very first opening salvo of a conversation uh, to ask, how old are you? That's a little odd. And Yaakov's answer is not really that much more understandable. Yaakov didn't just merely tell him how old he was. He gives an entire litany of, uh, of complaints. years old. These are small amounts of years. I didn't live a very long life. And they were bad. The years that I lived were, very, were, were wrought with all types of crises and challenges and bad news. And I wasn't able to even attain the lifespan of the, my father, my grandfather before me. I'm not nearly at their age. So if you look in the the Dasakanim, Mibalitaisis, Dasakanim is one of the uh, major commentaries on Chumash. It's found in most of the Makrais Kedailis on the page itself. Sometimes you have to look in the back of a Makrais Kedailis to find it. But it's basically Tyra from the Balitaisis. And sometimes you'll actually find what they say in, in the actual Taisis on Shas. But sometimes it's just uh, things that Balitaisis said that were Malukat and put together under a sefer called Dasakanim. And there's a very famous Dasakanim on this Pasuk. The Dasakanim says, and I'll read it, Pasha Lufishero Zakin Maid. You know why the first thing that Yaakov was asked by Parah when he met Parah was, How old are you? Because he looked very old. Yaakov Avinu looked incredibly old. He was old. 130 is not young, but I guess just like uh, you know, in our times, whatever at a certain age, let's say a person is 60. So uh, 60 is not very old, but it's not very young either. But let's say if a person was 60 and he looked like he was 100, that would be very shocking for a person. Like, why are you so? Why do you look so old? So Paray saw. Yaakov, that he wasn't as old as he, as he looked. He looked incredibly old, even though he understood that he wasn't that old. So he says, what happened to you? Like, why are you so old? You look so, you look, you, you, your, your, your beard is so gray, and your, your skin is so wrinkled, and your, you know, your eyes are so bloodshot. You look, you look really bad. Like, what happened to you? Usiris Reishai Vizikna Levenais, they're so white, your hair and your beard, Mireva Zikna. That's why he was prompted to ask this unusual question. Vuan Nahu, 
And the answer that was given was, You know why I look so old, much older than I really am? Because I had very bad years. I had a lot of tsaras in my life. I'm not as old as I really appear to be because zikna kavtsalai, because old age jumped upon me, ambushed me. When a person goes through a lot of tsaras, Rahman al-San, it ages a person. It makes a person prematurely gray. It makes a person uh, not look good. It makes the person hunched over, shaky, uh, very, very uh, frail. Because a person goes through tsaras. When a person goes through tsaras, this is uh, the physical price that a person uh, that 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 it costs a person to have such tsaras. Hakadosh Baruch Hu was not happy with this reply that he gave to Parai. This is the Dasakanim quoting a Medrash now. Hashem says, I saved you. I saved your life from Esav and from Lavan. And I returned to you, Dina. I got you, Dina, back. Dina was attacked. She was, uh, she was lured away from the family. And, uh, and I, but she returned home. It's true you had the tsar with Yosef, but Yosef came back as well. I reunited you in this week's parsha with Yosef. And Hashem says, and you're complaining about your life, that they're ma'at Chayecha, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I promise, sheminyan ha-tevaz sheyesh min vayayimrad bimei that the amount of letters not the amount of letters, the amount of words that you would count from the word Vayaymer, from that you said until Yemei Megurai or Yemei Megureyam, that whole complaint, how many words are those in the complaint that you had, that you spoke to Parai? As many words as there were, if you'd count in the Pasuk, that's the amount of years that are going to be deducted from your life. That you didn't, that Yitzchak was Zaychetu and you were not Zaychetu. Vem Lamed Gimel Tevis. How many words are they? These are 33 words. Ukeminyan Hazen Nechsu Mechayev says the Dasakanim. That's exactly the amount of years that were knocked off of his life. Shara Yitzchak Chai Kuf Peishana. Yitzchak lived for 180 years. V'yakov Chai Elokuf Memzayin. And Yaakov Avinu only lived 147. So 180 minus 147 is 33 years. That's the amount of words in the complaint that Yaakov had to Parai about his bad life. That's how many words were taken off. So there's two important takeaways that we're going to have from this Dasakanim. The first thing that we have to understand from this Medrash, from this Dasakanim, is that you're not supposed to complain in life. Complaining is not something that is what a person with Hakar Satayev does. Life is a gift. Whatever we have, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us because he's exceedingly generous with us. And even if it's a very difficult life, we don't have permission to complain. If anybody in human history, possibly, would have a good license to complain, it would be Yaakov Avinu. 
Yaakov Inu did suffer. There's no two ways about it. I mean, he one blow after another blow, whether it was the blow with, uh, with Esav being chased by his own brother, wanting, his brother wanting to kill him, being gypped in the house of Lava and wanting to marry Rachel instead of being given Leah, having to work so extra hard because of that. And then at the stage in his life with Dina, that terrible, terrible sorrow that he went through with, with his daughter, with his beloved daughter. And then finally, with Yasef, 22 years, not knowing where his son is. These are terrible tsaras. These are undeniable tsaras. And Yaakov Avinu had every right to complain. Like, what kind of life is this? My God, like, what are you doing to me? Like, I'm a tzaddik, I'm sitting, I'm learning Tyre, that's all I want. Bikesh Yaakov Leisha Bishalva, he just wanted to sit and learn. He was an Ishtam, Yesheva Halem. What did he do to deserve this? This would be a, a very understandable complaint, Tashem. Like, what do you want from me? What did I do so bad? Don't we all have that? complaint every time something doesn't go right. Like, we look at Hashem like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I'm in yeshiva, I'm learning, I'm a good person, I could have done this, I could have done that, but I opted to do this, and, and, you, and why am I suffering? That's a very common complaint that we lob towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What we see from Yaakov Avinu is that Yaakov Avinu was the greatest tzaddik, the greatest Tamil chacham, the Bechir Sheba Aves, he was the greatest of all the Aves, meaning he was the, he was the, the basis on which Klai Yisrael was built. The Shiftei were his. We're all descendants of him and his, and his greatness, but he did not have the right to complain. He wasn't given, and as soon as he did complain, HaKadosh Baruch Hu immediately punished him. Now, we're not Yaakov Avinu, of course, and, uh, and maybe... You know, it's even an unfair comparison by a million miles, but at least from a little bit of what we can take from a chazal, from a medrash, we have to try to incorporate that into our own personal lives. That it's not uncommon for us to complain and to vent and to be, to be upset about things, and, and it's human, maybe sometimes it's healthy to a certain degree. But a person should understand that it's so important to always see uh, how fortunate we are at the same time. It's true that we might not have all that we always you know, hoped for and davened for, and we have challenges. We all have challenges. But at the same time, look at what we do have. Look in the big picture. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the ability to walk and to talk and to see and to... And we have to count our blessings, we have to appreciate what we do have. And when we appreciate what we do have and then we keep it in perspective like the thing that we don't have, it becomes diminished. It becomes almost like microscopic because if we see the, the broad picture of how much we do have, how much we are blessed with, then that's, that's amazing. I was just driving my son to yeshiva Yitzi, and uh, I was telling him, like, you know, we're so lucky. Like, look what we have. We have Baruch Hashem. We're able to, to walk and to talk. We're, uh, you know, we, we're healthy. We have, uh, you know, we have a roof over our heads. We have a car to drive. We have, we have to appreciate that. We can't take it for granted. I asked him, why do you think we do take it for granted? Why do we still complain after all that we have? So what we came out with, this is in, within the three-minute drive from here to Yeshiva, Kitana is that because we look at other people, 
We look at other people. And when we see other people and what they have, now all of a sudden what I have seems like not so good. If, what we, if we would live, let's say, on our, each of us on our own desert island, just us and our family or our, our immediate circle of friends, and there wouldn't be any materialism to chase after, we wouldn't be looking at other people in terms of what they're wearing and what they're driving and what they're buying and what they're, or who their families are, or how many Hanukkah parties they did have versus us who might not have had any Hanukkah parties in their family. Or, you know, we're always looking at other people. And then relative to other people, our life seems like small and, and we complain about that. But that's not a fair thing. Everybody gets their own Nisayan in life, and the people that we're looking at that seem to be really lucky and, and, and fortunate and richer and, and smarter and better looking and more popular, whatever they have that we're looking at and we're, we're envious of, that's, they have their own Nisayanists. You don't want to be them either. Just like you might not want to be you, you definitely don't want to be them for reasons that you, you'll never know. And so it's important to always try to feel, and I'm talking to myself, to feel fortunate with all that we do have, and that would hopefully minimize the amount of complaining that we do. If we see how lucky we are, how dare we complain if we just had a breakfast to eat, and if we, just, and if we have electricity, and we have heat, and we have, we have a Shabbos coming up, we're going to have food on our table, and we have, we have to never stop thanking the Rabbi Nishlam for what we do have because we don't know what could be or what could have been were it not for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's constant benevolence. So that's the first lesson of this Dasakenim, that we are not to complain. And I always tell guys that you have to be very, your antennas have to be up when, let's say, you're dating. And, you know, there could be a girl that you're going out with, and she might be very pretty, and she might be very smart, and from a very nice family. But you have to, like, be aware of, like, is she happy, or is she complaining? Is she the type of girl that comes into a, a you know a, a, a lobby of a hotel for the date or to, to a restaurant and says oh, it's freezing in here? Why can't they turn up the heat? Or like the service is really bad here. I mean it's so slow. Or this soup is like you know it's too salty. Or it might not be obviously as extreme, but little things. That's a very bad midah. A person that's genuine, I'm not saying that we don't do it also, and the girls that are listening on Torah anytime should also have their antennas up when they're going out with guys. I'm an equal opportunity uh, Muslim person. But it's very important to, to, uh, for all of us to really try to, to examine in ourselves and in the people that we might be you know, hitching our wagons to throughout life that we don't want people in our in our orbit, in our ecosystem that are complaining. Because complainers sort of take the oxygen out of the room and they, they ruin the entire happiness and joy of being alive. You can have a beautiful situation, and, but something's imperfect and that person notices it and, and continues to, and, and, and just completely uh, tears down the entire beauty of the situation because of that one thing. And that's not a midah that we want. We want to have the ability to see the glass always being half full and never and not notice the, the, the part of the glass that's half empty. Now, once we have taken that out of this medrash, out of this dasakanim, now we're ready for the next phase of the dasakanim. We finished the dasakanim actually, 
but there's an amazing ha'ara of Reb Chaim Shmulevitz. That's it's a classic Chaim Shmulevitz, Shmulevitz, but I don't know how many of us know it, so it's kedai to, to speak it out. If any one of you would have actually taken out a chumash when I said this dasakenim and questioned the words of the dasakenim about those thirty-three words, and said, "Wait, let me just double check that. Let me be the, that that annoying fact checker, you know, that always has to make sure that it's actually thirty-three words, or you know, the guy that always like checks the gematrias to make sure that it's actually legit, and always says, oh, it's off by one,' and they have to say imakaylal." So Reb Chaim Shmulevitz actually pulled out a chumash when he saw the Stasakanim, and he says, let's count and see if that's true. Are there 33 words from the Vayaymer until Imei Megurei? Until Imei Megurei, at the end of the complaint of Yaakov Avinu, he started counting. And you know what happened? He found that it came up short. It wasn't 33 words. It wasn't even 31 words. It wasn't even 30 words. And he says, what's going on here? <laughs> what happened to the words? Where are the 33 words? So the Dasakanim doesn't say that it starts from Vayemer Yaakov el Pare, the 33 words. He just says that the 33 words start from Vayemer. Vayemer. He doesn't say which Vayemer. You know which Vayemer it is? It starts not from Vayemer Yaakov el Pare, but from Vayemer Pare el Yaakov, Kami Meshne Chayecha. Yaakov says to Pare, how old are you? To which then Yaakov responded, well, I'm 133 years old, I look so old because I had a miserable life, v'chule, v'chule. The taina on Yaakov Avinu started when? It started way before his response. It started already from the fact that he looked old. Why would Paro ask you how old you were? You know why Paro would ask you how old you are? That's such an unusual way of saying Shalom Aleichem to a person. That's insulting. You know why Paro asked how old I am? How old you are? Because you allowed your tsaris to affect you. You allowed your tsaris to get to you. You didn't just take it in stride. You didn't allow things to just roll off your back and say, it's Gamzu Taiva. Say that this is the Ratzon Hashem. Say there's a God in the world and it's not, I'm not in control. I'm not behind the driver's seat. I'm just in the passenger seat and I'm along for the ride. Whatever Hashem is sending me, I know is ultimately for my good. You didn't do that. You took it in. You allowed it to affect you. You got nervous. You stayed up at night. You were pacing back and forth. You were, you got nervous. You were anxious. Because of that, for those reasons, you looked old. You don't age prematurely by being a big Baal Bitochen and by just allowing everything to just, you know, say, chalk it up to the Rabbi Shalom, HaKadosh Baruch is in charge. I'm not, I'm not, it's not my business why, why Yasef was taken. It's not my business why, why Dina was taken. It's not my business with Yaakov, with Lavan, with Esav. HaKadosh Baruch has a plan. Why is, I don't know. But Gamzula Taiba, it's all for the good, it's fine. If you would have had that attitude, he wouldn't have aged. The people that age are the people that allow things to affect them. It goes into them and it makes them sick and it makes them fragile and it makes them nervous and, and it, it gets them, it gets their whole body, their whole biology, their whole chemistry changes internally because, because I'm nervous. 
if a person gets nervous, that affects them. It affects not just their physical internals, but it affects the way they look. It affects the way that they, that they, uh, that they feel. It causes all types of diseases. It causes all types of uh, you know, diabetes and, uh, and heart failure. And, and well, these things don't happen because a person is happy-go-lucky. The reason why many of these things, obviously there's other factors involved as well, but many of the reasons for a lot of these diseases, as we know, is either because we're not eating the right things or a lot of it is stress. A lot of things are stress-related. And when you allow stress to enter your life, it makes you sick, it makes you old, it makes you nervous, it makes you anxious, it makes you tense. Yaakov Avinu is not just being punished those 33 years were not just because of the words that he said, but it's the fact that the complaining actually affected him internally and physically. So much so that Paray was prompted as soon as he saw him, well, why are you so old? Aren't you a, a Shemir Tyre Mitzvah? Aren't you a Yid? Aren't you somebody that, that believes in the Rabbi Shalom? How did you allow it to affect you? How did you, if you're only 130 and your father was 180, why do you look like you're 180? The words Vayemer begin from Paro's question. It's not the Vayemer of the response. The response was part of it. You shouldn't complain. But it's more than that. It's the complaining is just like a simon of what you're feeling. If he's saying these words, then it obviously affected him in terms of his DNA, in terms of his everything about him. His whole haloch yelech in life was affected. He was nervous from it. it allowed, he allowed it to really change him. Says Rebbe Chaim Shmulevitz, we see from here a taina on Yaakov Avinu, not just the words that he complained, but you're not allowed to allow stresses in life to stress you out. Obviously, again, our, we're not supermen. If, we, if, if we're nervous, that means that we're, we're just nervous. I mean, we can't, like, there's no button to turn on and off about stress. We're either people that are happy-go-lucky or we're, or, we're, or we're stressed out. It's not necessarily our decision, but maybe it is. Maybe we could curb the stress a little bit. Maybe we can learn a little bit to be less stressed out and to be less anxious and to take things more in stride. There are people in life that are, everything that happens to them, they get so nervous and they're so anxious and they can't, they can't function because of, if they have a test, they're like mamish nervous three weeks before the test, what am I going to do? And they're studying and there's that. That's, that's not normal. It's not normal. Don't be stressed. It's a test. Mirza Hashem, you'll do well. You have to do well. But it's not something that you should have, you know, you shouldn't get a nervous breakdown from. You shouldn't be like going crazy and needing to, you know, to, 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 to just, you know, be beside yourself in, in anxiousness. You have to allow it. You have to allow yourself to, to breathe, to relax a little bit. It's fine. Take a walk. Take a jog. Go for a, you know... You know, take a walk outside, breathe the fresh air in. Treat yourself to, a, to a, nice, uh, a nice drink or something. Do something normal, but don't get stressed out. Even if you're a natural warrior, but you have to work on that. It's not something that you should allow because it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you physically, internally. It's going to affect your looks. It's going to affect your whole way of 
interacting, of appearing the way your body language will be. You have to try to learn how to be more relaxed, to be happy, to be calm, to be full of joy, to appreciate what you have and not to allow it to get to you. There's a story that's told about a certain uh, Talmud Chacham who was Yari Shamayim, he was very chashuv, and he had a, a son who he was having a lot of issues with. He was, uh, like maybe he was a kid at risk, or I don't know what exactly the issues were, but he, was, he, he had a lot of tsaras with this particular boy. And he went to the stipler, and he asked the stipler, like, what am I supposed to do? I need an eight son. He was like so nervous, like beyond. And I understand that. I would also be very nervous, and very, it's something to be nervous about. But the stipler says, listen, he says, you have to do hishtadlis. You have to try to do whatever your son needs in order to make him happy, to bring him back into the fold, uh, whatever it needs, whatever, whatever the gedalim or, or the experts say that you have to do in order to bring your son back and to make him happy and maybe you know, take some of the, uh, uh, put some of the love back into him and take out some of the threats and some of the hurt and whatever it needs, that you have to do. But that's your hishtadlis. But you should know, says a stipler, that you're being overly anxious about this. Your stress, your anxiety that's so visible on your face. He says, Asid litenes hadin. You're going to have to give a din v'cheshman for that. What do you mean? But I'm justified. My son is like really, he's not behaving properly. I'm nervous. No, he's, he's not. Be- you have a tzara. You have a challenge. You have to deal with it. Whatever it takes, you've got to turn over heaven and earth to try to bring them back and do it. That's true. But you have to separate that from allowing the stress to enter into your system and to get you crazy. You're not allowed to get crazy from it. Whatever you have, you have to deal with, but you have to deal with it in an appropriate manner. The tsaras that people have in life are sometimes overwhelming. And we can't even, you know, God knows what any of the people in this room have going that we don't know about. The people out in uh, Tarani time land, well, you know, who knows what people are, the people listening to this, watching this, are going to be going through as we're speaking. They might be in a hospital room with, uh, with somebody dying of cancer right next to them or, or somebody, you know, or they might have all types of sorrows. They might have a, you know, whatever. They're, they're, I don't know where, who's listening to it. And, and, and far be it from me to give Musr to anybody to chill and take it easy. Everybody has to deal with their issues the way they deal with their issues. I'm just saying what Rebchaim Shmulevitz seems to be saying, that we have to try whatever level of stress we're on. We can't rid ourselves of stress. We can't say, okay, okay, thank you. I got the Musr, now I'm no stress anymore. Obviously, life doesn't work that way. Alibai. But it doesn't work. We will have stress. But to lower the, the, the bar of the stress in our life, to tame, tame the stress, bring it down a notch. Do not get overly stressed out about things. To try to remember there's a God in the world. To try to remember that there's a cheshpin. To try to understand that kol david rachman al-latab avid, whatever Hashem does is for the good. And if we're able to lower the level of stress, to make it from a code red to a code orange, even a mashahu, that's a tremendous thing. It's tremendous for our, our internal 
constitution, our ability to, to, be, to be happy and to be whole and to not have heart conditions and not have uh, high blood pressure and not have diabetes and not have uh, you know, all these terrible diseases that we read about that many of them are stress-related. But it also will age us. It will make us look older. It will make us feel older. Sometimes I go to a, to a chasno or a, wherever I go, or a, and I, I, I bump into people that I went to yeshiva with, they're, so they're my age, give or take. And some of them literally look like, uh, like, they're, like they're 20 years older than me. Some people look younger than me, believe it or not. But, but some people look older than me. And like, you know, they're, they're all gray and they're like bent over and they're like, I saw, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, like, you know, am I really this old? <laughs> you know, like I, I look in the mirror, I look good. But, um, but you know, I, it's, how does that happen? You have two people, we went to sort of the same yeshivas, you know, we're the same age and one person is, uh, looks, you know, looks, you know, looks well and healthy, Baruch Hashem, and the other person, Mamish, looks old. I just, Mamish, on... Two days ago, I was in Brooklyn. I took my daughter, uh, you know, out for a day for whatever reason. And so we went into a pizza store. I saw a guy that I literally have not seen in 30 years. And I told my daughter I went to college with him. He was in my class, in one of my college classes in Toro. And she said, no, he, he's not your age. He, he's one of your professors, right? I said, no, 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 he's, he's my age. The guy Mamish looked like an old man. He Mamish looked like he is like 80 years old, 70 years old. Like he looked really old, and he looked nervous. He was like, you know, he was like just like he wasn't, you know, what, what's the difference? What's the difference? I don't know what he went through in life. I have no idea. He doesn't know what I went through. But the difference is that again, I'm not saying that I, I look, you know, I could probably look a lot younger than I than I actually am. Also, but when you have tsaris whether it's financial, whether it's social, whether it's uh, family, whether it's health, whatever, or all of the above. We have to try, and it's very hard. And, and again, like there are people that are suffering to degrees that we don't understand. The imamish have no, no food in their refrigerator for Shabbos. So it's like, it's a little bit easier for me to give a schmooze about chilling, you know, and it's, it's a lot harder for people out there that, that have real tsaras that I can't comprehend you know, to say, okay, fine, easy for him to say, but like, you know, Shkayach, what does that do for me? And they're right. But in life, we have to try, we have to try to use our bitachin muscles to, to understand that there is a God in the world and things are difficult, but Hashem is in control. Hashem is sending me this challenge and I have to rise to the occasion somehow. Some, somehow, it's impossible. I know that it's impossible, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try to smile more. I'm going to try to be sweeter. I'm going to try to, to rid my mind of the pollutants that, and the toxins that are in there from, from the stress that I'm undergoing. I'm trying to lower my stress levels. It's so important physically, emotionally, appearance-wise, bitachan-wise. It's so important that when we have anxiety to try to deal with it maturely and appropriately to the degree that we can. My father, Allah Vashalam, used to say to me that whenever I was upset about something, he would always have the same line. He would say, 50 years from today, it's not going to matter. 
Whatever tsar you're going through, in 50 years, it's not going to matter. And I, you know, oh, that was, that's for sure true. But I think it's, it's, the truth is that it's not 50 years. It's not even five years. It's not even five days sometimes. You just have to, like, sometimes get around the bend a little bit and you're okay. Do you remember, like, last week there was something that was stressing you out, that you weren't able to sleep so well at night because you were bothered by it? Maybe it was something that somebody said to you or, or, or some news that you got or it was maybe a grade that you got that you weren't happy with or uh, somebody, whatever it was. Remember you were upset about something last week? Do you even remember today what it was? I mean, maybe you do, but you have to, like, think. What, yeah, I remember I was upset, but what was it that made me upset? I don't remember. That was a week ago. Or maybe it was two days ago. We for sure got upset two days ago. Do you remember what, what we got upset? It doesn't matter today. A lot of the things in our life, if we're able to see them from a more panoramic view and, and see the big picture, it's not going to matter. The things that we're worried about today are not really important in five years from now, in five days from now. So don't let it stress you out so much because things will get better. You give them time and you look back and you say, like, I don't even know why I was so upset. It was so ridiculous to be upset, to be nervous from that. Somebody said, big deal, somebody said something to me or somebody did something or, you know, I didn't do as well in this or that. Okay, no, so you didn't. Is that such a huge deal? Today it seems like a big deal, but, like, it's not going to matter it's certainly not going to matter to you when you're my age. It's certainly not going to matter to you when you're the person in the room that's older than you, the Kyola guy's age. It's not even going to matter to you, your roommate's age that might be six months older than you. It doesn't matter in long-term things, many things. Obviously not major issues. I keep giving that disclaimer. I understand that there's differences here. But I'm saying the average everyday stresses of life, take them in stride. Be Normal. Understand that you have to live. You have to use your body to live. You need your body. If you're going to overly tax your body with burdening it with stressful ideas, nervousness, nightmares, you're not going to be able to use your body long term. You're going to need your body when you're my age, when your parents' age, when your grandparents' age. There are people that went through the war and they look young. There are people that went through, uh, you know, like some silly issues, and it ages them. And we have to make a decision in life that to the degree that I can, I'm going to try to lower my stress level. It's so important to be able to be happy in life, to appreciate the blessings of life, and not to let every little nudnik get you down and get you crazy. It might be a parent that's making you crazy. It might be uh, your wife that's making you crazy. It might be your kids that are making you All those are good excuses, but just because you have an excuse doesn't mean that you should... You should utilize that excuse. You should try to live with it and, and laugh it off or smile it off or, or, or learn it off or whatever you need to, to, to ease the tension, but, but live with it. Understand this is my challenge. HaKadosh Baruch gave somebody else his challenge or her challenge. This is the challenge that Hashem gave me and I'm going to try to really deal with it in the best way that I personally can. I'll just end with a Maisa, the Shagasarya, the, the holy Shagasarya was a Rav. Um, he had a very difficult life. Shagasarya is one of the classics for him. Uh, some people say it's, it, you know, it's one of the first real 
classical Lamdisha Svarim of the Achreinim. Some people say it's the first, but it's definitely up there. It's definitely, it's full of Lamdis. It's, uh, ama- it's uh, you know, so many Bar Mitzvah Shetzels are always from the Shagas Arya. It's a classic, classic Shtiklach Taira. The Shagas Arya himself suffered greatly throughout his life. He had, he was uh, chased from one Shtela, from one rabbinical uh, position to another, and him and his wife were like, Vagabonds. They were like traveling sometimes from city to city. Uh, she was like cook. She cooked. He didn't want to eat anyone else's food, so she would schlep all her pots and pans with her and cook for him special machalim that only that she he would only trust her to make for him. They lived a very very difficult life, it, impoverished beyond, and never had really any uh, any uh, exposure to to comfort and to wealth. And at the end of his life. When he was 70 years old, when he was old already, uh, he got the very coveted position as the Rav of Metz. Metz is a city in southern France, and it was a very aristocratic, very wealthy community. And they say all types of stories, like when uh, you know they invited the Rav and the Rebetzin to come into like a very wealthy man's house, and uh, there was like sugar on the table. The Rebetzin never saw sugar in her life; like she didn't know what it was. She like uh, anyway, lo- many many stories about them. Like they they literally had nothing, and now he was offered this position as being the rub of, of possibly the most uh, wealthiest and affluent communities in Europe. A very prestigious uh, uh, position that he was offered, and it was his to accept or not to accept. And obviously, it was a, it was a great opportunity for him. But he heard rumblings among some of the Balabatim in the community that what are we doing? Like, why are we hiring a Rav who's so old? Like, a 70-year-old rabbi, you know, and he looks so old. Why should we, uh, why should we hire him? Um, you know, let's get like a, you know, 30-year-old rabbi, a 35-year-old young rabbi. We'll get like a good, you know, get, get a lot of mileage out of him. We'll get 30, 40 good years out of him. Why do we start with a 70-year-old guy? We're going to have to... They, used, they said about him, we're, we're inviting him here to use our cemetery. That was the words that they said about the Shagasari. So the Shagasari heard these complaints and these questions, and he decided to accept the position. And the first drosha that he gave to his new Balabatim, to his new community, was quoting this parsha. And he said that we find that Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim, Pare asks him, how old are you? Very, very difficult to understand question. And he says that Parai saw how blessed Mitzrayim became when, when Parai came down. We know that all the Tzvua in the land, even though it was already uh, the Meharav, so, but the Tzvua started growing. When Yaakov came through the fields, the Tzvua started growing. They say about the Chavitz Chaim, by the way, that when he was in Radin, the Gayim of Radin, the farmers, the Gayish of farmers in Radin, begged him to walk through his, their fields because they saw that whenever the Chavetz Chaim would walk through one of their fields, suddenly like the crops would like start growing up to greet him. They had bumper crops wherever the Chavetz Chaim stayed, like, were like trying to lure him, please, Rabbi, come into our fields. And that was ha- what happened with, with Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu went down to Mitzrayim. The Nile started coming up to greet Yaakov Avinu. The Tvua started, even though it was famine, the Tvua started like shaking itself off and, and rising to greet Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu brought tremendous bracha to Mitzrayim. And 
Parai understood that here he has the greatest natural resource that ever was introduced to Egypt is standing right before me, Yaakov Avinu. So he asked him right away, how old are you? Meaning he wanted to know like how many good years is he going to get out of him. You look so old, you're, you look like you're so frail, but I, I can't have you die. I need you to stay alive. Yaakov Avinu understood this, understood what Parai wanted, and he responded to him that the years of my life were very short relative to my forefathers. My forefathers lived much older than me. I'm not as old as I, as I appear. I'm younger. I'm 130. It's relatively young. I still have many good years ahead. The reason why I look so old is because, you, because I let it get to me. Because ma'at v'ra'im, they were, they, were, they were difficult, very, very stressful years. I let it get to me. But you should know that I'm a lot younger than I actually am, and hopefully you'll get many good years out of me. And, and he did. He lived, he lived several years after he arrived in Mitzrayim, many years later. And the Shagasari concluded his drush, and he said, I know that you're asking, why are you hiring me as a rob? I'm so old. He says, I look old. I'd have a lot, I had a lot of stress in my life. I was poor. I was chased from community to community. I had a lot of issues health-wise and, and financially. I was always broke, always borrowing, always, always needing. I look a lot older than I am, and I'm sorry for that. He says, but I'm, I'm not as old as I appear. And so you shouldn't be worried. He says, if you understand this, I pledge to you that I will be a rob for at least 20 years. 20 years you're going to get out of me. I'm not as old as I appear. I'm 70 years old. I'm still able to function, Baruch Hashem, and I'm going to be a rob for 20 years. The Kachava, the Shagas Aryeh, lived another 20 years. He, he put Metz on the map. Metz is a famous city today because of the Shagas Aryeh. There were other great Kedalim, by the way, that... Uh, that lived in Metz. In fact, my uh, a cousin of mine, a distant cousin, uh, his name was Ramesha Aryeh Bamberger. He was uh, he was the rav of Metz for many years, and uh, he is a tremendous Talmud Chacham. He, he was nifter uh, maybe ten years ago, but he put out a sefer himself of the the Chachme Metz, all the gedolim that lived in the city of Metz. It became an irvein Yisrael. There might have even been Rishayim that lived in Metz prior to the Shagas Ari, but it was a famous city. And the Shagas Aryeh lived 20 productive years in Metz, and then he died when he was 90, just as he predicted. But Rabbi said, what we have to take from, from today is to really try. It's not easy, you know. And I said, like, there's good reasons to be nervous, and there's also sometimes if our, you know, it's in our genetics, sometimes nervousness runs in the family. So if, uh, if, if a child grows up and sees their parents always nervous about things or maybe there's a, you know, a psychological uh, impulse to get nervous, I don't know if that's true or not true, but I imagine it's true, then sometimes that carries through the generations and it's very hard to, to shake that. And so I know that there's a lot of factors and I can't discuss every single person's situation, every factor that exists out there and, and, and take whatever you can out of what I'm saying, but I'm not saying it. I'm saying what what the, the what the Gedolei Rishayim, the Balitaisis, what the what Rucham Shmulevitz, 
and others are saying from this one medrash, this, this one dasakenim, how much chachma you can get from it. And we have to try to, to live happy. We have to try to be comfortable in our own skin. Try not to let every little thing get to us. And to be, to be happy-go-lucky, to be, feel blessed, and to know that we're so blessed, and to be not the type that complains about every little thing and everything is an issue, everything is a problem, but to be the person that you'd want to be with. Try to be the person that you'd want to be married to. You don't want to marry a complainer, so don't be a complainer. You don't want to be a roommate of a guy or a, or, or a chavrusa with a guy that everything is bad, shear is bad, and the, and the food is bad, and the Shabbos is bad, and the, this is bad, that. What, what's so bad? Why is it so bad? Turn it around in your brain. Look at everything, how fortunate I am. Thank God I'm able to be in yeshiva. Thank God I'm able to have a Rebbe that's a Tamil and that cares about me. Thank God I'm able to have friends like I have. I'm able to see. I'm able to hear. I'm able to smell. I'm able to function. I'm able to process with my brain. Do, you, do we understand what that is? The blessings that we have every day? When we wake up in the morning, we see, and we're able to, to get up and not need a wheelchair and not need a... Do we, do we understand what that is? There's nothing that in the world that we should be able to complain about if we can keep that big picture always in front of us. And if we do, it's not only good on a daily basis, but when you get older, you'll be young-looking, you'll be happy, you'll be, you'll be uh, beloved by people. You're going to be that guy that's always happy and that's always positive and that's smiling and good mood, and that's going to be you. But it has to start today has to be something that we learn attitudinally, that we're going to be positive people, we're going to be not complaining, and we're going to be able to express constant shevach to the rabbi Shalom and try to keep everything in, in perspective and understand that no matter what the challenge HaKadosh Baruch Hu presents to me, there's a God in the world, He loves me, He cares about me, He's giving me this for a reason that I might not know right away, but hopefully someday I will understand clearer. clearer. But in the meantime, I have to take it in stride, be happy, accept the challenge, and don't internalize it. Okay, everybody, have a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos.